Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And hello there. Here we are again. And we have been on the road between Bear Lake and Park City this week. We are staying here with the last hanger-oners from our reunion. We have a daughter who lives in Boston, and she is actually here with her four little children because she's having a 20-year class reunion, and she's in charge of one of the events because she was the class secretary. I don't know who would run for senior class officers because it's a lifetime job. Um, We warned her of that when she ran, but she did. And so they are having their 20-year reunion at East High School this weekend. And they are excited, but at the same time, it's a lot of work and a lot of paraphernalia. They're preparing videos and all kinds of stuff, and um, hopefully they'll have a wonderful time. Um, We don't want to tell you how many uh, years Richard was on his reunion, uh, last summer, uh, it was a lot of years, and a lot of people um, showed up. I think more and more people showed up as the years go by because I don't know about these reunions. Sometimes you feel like you have to be thin or you have to look great or something for the for your reunions. But you know, by the time you've been graduated from high school as long as we have. It really doesn't matter, and more people actually show up, I think. Anyway, we have been on the road. We um, Richard is joining us momentarily, but in the meantime, we were so glad to, actually, I shouldn't say glad, but sad and glad, you know, bittersweet, to send two families home this, this week, one to New York City. They live on the Upper East Side in Manhattan with their little girl, uh, Nina, and also a family back to California with four little children. That's not a happy ride. Um, the oldest is seven, and so I'm sure that they, they survived just fine, got home and unpacked. And So the reunion is over for the Iyer family for another year, although we are truly blessed because we do get to see our children quite often during the year because we are often speaking in their area. And, of course, New York City is the thoroughfare. We go through there a lot on our way to somewhere else. And so we get uh, we have kids in Washington, D.C., in Boston, in New York, two in Phoenix, one in San Diego, one in Palo Alto, one in Hawaii, and one in Ogden, Utah, which is really exciting because we have at least one little family that we can see a little more often than the others. Anyway, we are... Excited to be talking today um, because we're slowing down on the road just a little bit now. And uh, Richard has, however, been on the road and is about to pick up the phone because we have an interesting topic today. We promised that we would talk about it last week at this time. And so, Richard, I think you're there now. Drum roll, drum roll. We're going to talk about how to talk to your children about... Sex. What an important topic. It is. Um, we we have found it so interesting that it just keeps coming up. Obviously, kids just keep passing on to new ages and so on. And uh, many of you have heard our philosophy of beginning that talk at age eight, but it progresses on through. We're going to maybe start with that talk and then 
Uh, we had a wonderful time, as some of you may have heard on a previous radio show a couple weeks ago, with three 12-year-olds on an RV trip. And the subject came up again, and we had the most interesting conversation with our grandchildren, um, with permission from their parents. Well, let me just say uh, the old phrase, the big talk, is really not a particularly appropriate one because this should be a series of talks. But as you point out, Linda, the important thing is to have the first phase, the first talk in the series of talks fairly early with your children. We suggest that you have a deadline because what we've found in our research is that so many parents put it off and put it off and put it off and really don't know how to start or what to say or how to get into the subject matter. They're even confused on things like, well, should the father talk to the boys and should the mother talk to the girls and how do you begin and so on. And some people go get a book of some kind and try to read it to their kids. We think that... um, the important thing is, like I say, to set a deadline. We think the the birthday, the eighth birthday, is a terrific time to begin. Now, for many people listening, uh, LDS people, members of the Mormon Church, uh, eight is a significant age because it is called the age of accountability. It's the time, it's the age at which children get baptized. It's the age at which they receive a priesthood blessing where they get, uh, in our belief, the gift of the Holy Ghost. And whether or not you're a Mormon, eight is an age when kids are sort of in between childhood where they're not conceptually capable of understanding very much and adolescence where they are a little cynical and sarcastic and where, frankly, they will have heard so much about sex that you will be playing catch-up football if you start that late. And the key to the whole process, I can't emphasize this too much, is that your goal as a parent is to help a child, number one, avoid early experimental recreational type sex, and number two, to ensure that that child has a positive view of sex at the right time with the right person, i.e. in marriage. Now, and wait a minute. If you can accomplish both of those by making this a positive, informative <laughs> talk, then you have done your job and you will avoid a lot of problems for that child in the future. Let me just interject here. The fact that there are a lot of parents out there that are saying, oh, my gosh, my child is 10, 12, 14. I've never talked to my child about sex. It's never too late. Of course, it's great to start when they're eight, but whatever age your kids are, I mean, if they're older, if they're 10, 11, and 12, you haven't talked to them yet, it's a good it's a good thing to start by saying, you know, you may have heard some things at school, or you may have heard some things from your friends about this, but we're going to set you straight on it, and we're sorry we haven't talked about it sooner. Um, and then find out maybe, if possible, what they do know and what has occurred to them. Because as we found with these 12-year-olds, some interesting things happen in their lives, and it's not exactly something they would share unless they were prompted to. Now, let me just say that um, in our own case, our own history with this in terms of trying to help other parents on this subject started a number of years ago when our publisher wanted us to do a book, and it was interesting. The publisher said, let's not beat around the bush. Let's let's name the book 
how to talk to your child about sex. And so as we got into the research for that book, what we found over and over and over is that parents were, I hate to use such a strong word, but basically they were just afraid of the subject and they would put it off for any excuse. And we even found on one survey that um, many, many fathers thought the wife had had the talk and many wives thought the husband had had the talk. And if you're lucky enough to be in a two-parent family, it is best to have this talk together, the husband and wife, with the child. But in any case, there was a lot of confusion. And so what we decided to do, rather than write a how-to book or a book of tips or a book of ideas on what to say and so on, we decided to write it almost like a script. Where the, and, and that is indeed how the book reads. It's, it's like a play. It says, parent says this. The child will say this. The parent then says this. The child may respond this way or this way, in which case you go this direction or this direction. So it's like a flow chart. It's like a, it's like a foolproof guide to have the talk and to be saying things you know are tried and proven and that give this positive beginning to a child's understanding of what sex is and how wonderful it can be at the right time with the right person. Now, as we talk about it here for a couple more minutes and then take a break and come back and discuss the subject for another 15 minutes, we're not going to get to everything, but let me say right now, you can go, as a member of the public, as a listener of this show, you can go to valuesparenting.com, and when you go there, you'll find a click on the left-hand side of the home page that says how to talk to your child about sex. That's the place to go to get this dialogue, to get this helpful way of he said, she said, right the way through what you want to try to express with the child. Now, we're going to give you some additional pointers, but as we do, we won't answer all your questions, but just know that that's that website, that part of that website is devoted to help you successfully have the right big talk with your child, whether, as Linda says, whether they're eight years old or a little older. We don't suggest that you start earlier than that, although there are some things in the book and on the website about preliminary talks you can have with smaller kids, just about the beauty of their body, just about the beauty of nature, things that sort of prepare the way, so to speak, for the big talk, quote unquote. Yeah, in fact, there is an age-specific uh, thing. I think a unit, or at least a section for each age, starting with three and four-year-olds who are asking questions. I mean, we somebody told us at a meeting that their child came up to them and said, "Now, mommy, where did we come from?" And the mother just panicked and just didn't know what to say and sat him down at the kitchen table and went through the whole thing with him and so on. And I think he was five or six. And then when she got all done, the child said, no, wait a minute, I just mean we just moved here. Where was it that we came from? (laughs) And so sometimes you give them more information than they need. And you you do have to be careful about that. You need to be careful that you give them just the basics and just the positive because they'll get enough negative Soon enough. Well, and and all this is based on research that shows the best deterrent or the best set of information that has the best result in delaying uh, experimentation or sexual 
uh, escapades by children. And the sad thing is these are happening in the world at a younger and younger age. And the thing most effective in delaying or avoiding that in adolescence is a positive view of how wonderful sex can be at the right time with the right person, not a negative fear-based approach. So we'll talk a little more about that, but let's take a brief break, and then we'll be back in a moment with the second half of Ayers on the Road. And uh, we're back, Richard and Linda Iyer on Ayers on the Road. We're talking about how to talk to your child about sex. We have some very specific ideas on this, as you gathered in the first half of the show. And by the way, a little personal note, um, we have some of our grandkids from Boston staying with us, and Linda just discovered one of them who's only seven, not quite old enough, sitting outside the den door while I'm talking on the phone. So he may have got a kind of a sneak preview, Linda. I'm sure his parents (laughs) will be very pleased about that. (laughs) We are so careful that we check with parents before we do anything. And obviously, I mean, you know, people laugh when we tell them this in seminars and so on. You know, people come up there and say, oh, I just can't do it. I can't do it. Can we send them to you? And I always say, heck yes, it's the funnest thing we've ever done. I have to say that the first time we did this, I was horrified. Saren was our oldest, just turned eight. We were living in McLean, Virginia, and uh, it was our time to go, and we got almost to the door and she went back for something and I said Richard you just do this you're so good at talking you are just great at talking you explain things you just do it you just no 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 we will be just fine and you know he built her up and uh, had such a fun time with uh, telling her that in two weeks we were going to talk about the most amazing, awesome, wonderful thing in the world. And then the week before, we we're going to go out and talk about something incredible. It has to do with you, but we're not going to tell you what it is. You know, we built her up about it, and we had one of our kids. Um, and you almost chickened out. Linda. And I really almost chickened out. But, but we, see, that's another, that makes the point again. We had set a deadline of the eighth birthday, Believe me, if there was any way we could have put it off, we would have. But, we, you know, she was turning eight. I mean, it was happening. It was a deadline we had set. And I must say, once we had that first experience with the oldest child, it was so delightful. I mean, again, eight-year-olds are so perfect as far as the age. And, again, it still works with a nine- or a ten-year-old. There's just more risk that they will have heard other things. Yeah. And back in those days, Linda, because that goes back a while, yeah, that eight seemed very early to a lot of parents, and we got a lot of resistance on on that. Even twenty years later, when our book came out, but now, interesting, interestingly, when we talk to parents groups and say we think eight is the ideal age for the first big talk, a lot of them, probably as many as think it's a little early, wonder if that's a little too late because yeah. one of the problems in society is kids are getting exposed to things so much earlier, and so. But we still, we, we hold to our guns. We think eight years old is just about the perfect age. Yeah, we do. And, in fact, uh, we have had so many parents who have done this now and come back with rave reviews. I mean, a couple of them have said, uh, you know, they were just kind of confused. Uh, the boys are a little bit harder to explain to than the girls somehow. But And, and actually, our daughter... Our daughter, who had our oldest child, who took the first grandchild out for the talk, just printed off from the website the dialogue and just set it in her lap 
and held she it just, under the table. Held it under the table, and she it. just read it. And <laughs> she said it was amazing. They answered exactly like you thought they were going to, and it was such a fun discussion. Everyone has had a positive experience with it, and of course, well, that, and think about that. That's pretty amazing because you're Linda's understating a little. Well, there have been thousands of people who we know have used this dialogue and had this talk with their kids. There have probably been many more times that who we don't know about. But the interesting thing to me is we've never had a single person come and say, oh, man, you really you really led me astray on that one. I wish I hadn't done that. It was too early. It didn't go well. We've had people say, oh, there were some surprises in there, and it wasn't all smooth as silk. But we literally have never had anyone regret having done it. There, there's always just the opposite of that. There's a feeling of sort of relief and almost euphoria. I did it. I crossed the Rubicon. I had the big talk. You know, I'm not done. There's still it's still an open issue. There's a lot of questions that'll come up. But I'm in on the ground floor. I'm the parent, and the child has now heard from me. And whatever he hears now in the locker room or on the playground or on the internet, he will have to bounce that off of the real stuff that I have told him. And that's a that's a great feeling to have as a parent. That that means you've sort of met your obligation. You might be interested, too, as listeners, that a lot of times when we are with audiences of parents, we ask them what, the, what they're the most worried about in society or in their environment where they're raising their children. And the three top responses, which probably won't surprise anyone, are violence, substance abuse or drugs, and sex. And 